Hey everyone, and welcome back to an all new, brand new episode of Unknown Serial Killers. Um, thank you guys for continuing to join me each and every week. I know I've been gone for a couple of weeks, but today I'm going to make it up. I have a double feature. I'm going to do two and one for you guys today just to make it up. But I have seen you guys going back and listening to all the the other episodes, and I greatly appreciate that. Um, today's going to be a treat. Um, like I said before, if you haven't listened to any of the episodes in any of the seasons, please go back to do so now because you do not want to miss any of them because they're just that great. Viewer's discretion is advised because we are talking about murder, violence, and possible drug use, but murder and violence, of course, because this is why we're here. Today, we are talking about Charles Jackson. So let's just get right into him. Charles Jackson Jr. was born on February 12, 1937 in Louisiana. Shortly after his birth, his family moved to Mississippi where young Charles grew up in the countryside. He lived in a socially disadvantaged environment as his father was an alcoholic who was aggressive towards him and other family members. Due to material difficulties, Jackson dropped out of high school in the early 1950s and started spending a lot of time on the street. He became involved with the criminal subcultures and soon came into crime himself. In 1953, at the age of 16, Jackson was arrested and charged with theft. Subsequently, his crimes only got worse. He moved to California in the late 1950s along with his mother, and over the next 20 years, Jackson was repeatedly arrested on charges of committing crimes such as burglary, rape, assault, and molestation of a minor. Dates include March 2, 1962, January 11, 1965, May 15, 1963, October 1969, June 9, 1970, August 21st, 1975 and May 22nd, 1978. The last time he was released was on September 12th, 1981, after which he started work as a handyman for some time, as well as doing other odd jobs. Up until the age of 44, Jackson was living with his mother in her home in Montclair. So off the bat, he he started off pretty heavy with the crimes. Like, theft is one thing, you know, he's stealing things, maybe cars and everything. But then it escalated to molestation of minors and assault. Now, if you if you get there, there's literally no possible way you can get worse other than killing people. And obviously, that's where he went because we're talking about him today. On January 5th, 1982, Jackson attacked 54-year-old Joan Stewart on San Francisco City College biology professor. Jackson raped, strangled, and stabbed her several times in the woodlands near Montclair. On January 6th, the morning after the murder, Stewart's body was found. On her body, police noticed a half-eaten piece of Canadian bacon, which was odd because Stewart was a vegan. They soon came to the conclusion that whoever the killer was, they were eating Canadian bacon when they attacked Stewart and must have accidentally dropped it. During the investigation, several eyewitnesses who were around during the time were found. 
They reported a suspicious vehicle driving erratically and one neighborhood reported the vehicle trying to lure children into it. The person described driving the car was a black male with bushy hair and a scruffy mustache. It was found during the investigation that this vehicle was seen parked nearby when Stewart was attacked. They wrote down the license plate on the car. The vehicle was spotted on January 8th by a police patrol car and they questioned its owner, who was Jackson. They went to Jackson's home, whom he shared with his mother. Jackson's mother said to the police that every morning she wraps a piece of Canadian bacon to give to him before he goes off to work. This and the plate number was enough evidence to arrest and officially charge Jackson with Stewart's murder. In 1983, he was found guilty and received a sentence of life imprisonment as punishment. But... In 1985, Jackson was retried after evidence of judicial error emerged. Jackson's second trial started in 1986, where again, he was sentenced to life imprisonment. Now, I understand they have to do a new trial because, you know, evidence was a mess. It was, you know, all over the place and everything like that. But why do a new trial if they were going to sentence him to the same thing. Like, did they have to get approval for certain pieces of evidence and be involved? Like, just so many questions. In 1998, police departments around the East Bay area conducted DNA testings on unsolved cases that dated between the early 90s to the 1970s. In 1999, investigators positively identified a match in Charles Jackson's DNA to biological evidence left at a November 1981 double homicide in Albany. The victims were 62-year-old Henry Villa and his 59-year-old wife, Edith. Their bodies were found on November 22, 1981. They were stabbed to death and there was evidence Edith was sexually assaulted by her attacker. It was determined that the killer broke into the home at around nighttime, around the time the villas were getting ready for bed. When Jackson was informed his DNA was a match to the DNA left at the crime scene, he refused to come out of his cell in Folsom State Prison and speak with investigators. Investigators decided to not charge Jackson with the two other murders, saying it might get in the way of the investigation. However, on February 15, 2002, Charles Jackson died from a heart attack in his cell in Folsom State Prison. He was 65 years old. His death didn't slow the investigators down. In 2005, based on results from the DNA research, Jackson's involvement was revealed in the following murders. In June 1975, 19-year-old Sonia was murdered in her Oakland home. She was found sexually assaulted and stabbed to death. In August 1975, 27-year-old Ann Johnson was found stabbed and sexually assaulted in her Montclair home. On April 22, 1978, 11-year-old Cynthia Waxman and her cousin were playing with a kitten in the field on Moraga near Buckingham Drive. The cousins left to get money to buy food for the kitten, but Cynthia was gone when she returned. Several hours later, Cynthia's mom found her body in the nearby bushes. On November 22, 1981, 62-year-old Henry Villa and 59-year-old wife Edith were found stabbed to death in their home in Albany Hills. Edith was sexually assaulted by her attacker. It was determined the killer broke into the home at around nighttime. 
On December 4, 1981, 37-year-old Betty Jo was found stabbed in her home in Oakland's Trustall Trust Glen neighborhood. She was still alive when her daughter found her. Betty told her daughter, I think he was a rapist before passing away on the way to the hospital. Before her murder, Betty had told her friends that she was receiving strange phone calls from an unknown man. She also stated that sometimes while outside, she felt watched, but assumed it to just be her mind playing tricks on her. On December 8th, 1981, 34-year-old Gail Leslie was found stabbed to death in her yard in Oakland. Jackson's true victim count is currently unknown since there were at least six other serial killers in, in the Contra Costa County, California area during his murder spree. Now, let me just say this. This this lady, Betty Jo, she says she felt like she was being watched. If you feel like you're being watched, always go with your gut feeling. Don't ever feel like you're going crazy or you're just imagining things because you can be being watched. Like, it's a real thing. Like, if you feel somebody walking behind you or you feel like somebody's watching you or they have eyes on you or you're whatever the case may be. Always go with your gut feeling because your gut feeling is never wrong. And she wasn't wrong because he was watching her or whoever was watching her and they killed her. And it's sad to say, like, we'll never know if it was him or if it's anybody else because they don't really have the proof, the proof of it. So, I mean, I kind of feel like this man got his instant karma definitely because... He got a life imprisonment, but his life was cut short. His life got cut short. And um, I don't really feel bad about it because bad people get what they deserved. And I feel like he definitely got what he deserved. So in other words, be careful of your surroundings. Watch your surroundings. Make sure you know who's around and make sure you... You know, just realize the company that you keep around you because you you never know who these people can turn out to be. But thank you guys for joining me on one of these roller coasters that is unknown serial killers. Stay tuned because there is another episode coming right after this. Um, like I always tell you guys, be nice to people because you never know who they killed. See you guys in a sec.